think back to any time you went to a place where a bunch of people were getting together, you know, Thanksgiving, Christmas, a birthday, anywhere there was an adult table and a kid's table. Do you remember aging out of the kid's table, but still having to sit there? How much you thought you'd give to move to the big table? How you couldn't relate to the actual kids at the table anymore? how you wanted what the adults were eating and what the adults were drinking. And then the day came. You got the call and you were on your way up. You're on the way to the big leagues. Man, you got your seat. You got your sense of entitlement. You're like, Look at these poor bastards at that bullshit table over there. Peons, all of them. And then the food comes and the drinks come and boom, it's fucking vegetables and salads and drinks you still can't have and you look back at your old stomping grounds and they get chicken nuggets and soda and juice and they're over there having fun without you you got everything you were hoping for yet here you are looking back on what you took for granted and now you want to go back because being a big kid and sitting at the grown-up table and all that it was cracked up to be my name is jason farias and this is my madness method. Back in the days when I was young, I'm not a kid anymore. But some days I sit and wish I was a kid again. Back in the days when I was young, I'm not a kid anymore. But some days I sit and wish I was a kid. By this time, we all had to lay low, so to say, for, for a while. I'd found myself over-executing my obligation to the straight human Harry. Just because he was Jamie's boyfriend gave him no access, but yet I allowed it to continue and get worse and get worse. And, and the guy would call and like, tell me where I needed to take him. And I think he, he had this false sense of entitlement that Jamie's authority or position amongst the family would somehow had transitive properties to him. And you know, one day I was like, what? no, this is wrong, bro. I don't report to you in any way. Even if somebody told me like, hey, help him out. You know what? Fuck that guy. What's he doing for himself? He keeps looking at me like, hey, I need a ride or I need some money or I need this. Nothing about what Jamie did that day on that freeway has fucking anything to do with him. The only thing he doesn't have now is a girlfriend. Like, he's still got his freedom, but he doesn't gain access to me, nor any of my contacts or, or, or any piece of my situation. It took a few weeks, but I had to shake the stray human Harry. There was a lot of hanging out that we did. You know, I, I'd watch this guy, and, and, and he'd make his dope, and, and I'd watch him move. And these hotel cooks that, that make their dope in, like, uh, water bottles, like Evian water bottles... And I don't know if it's charcoal or butane or propane. I don't know what the fuck they're putting in there to get the chemical reaction that they're looking for. But, you know, I think it made this guy insane. You know, I'd try some of his dope. I mean, if I didn't have any in my pocket, which wasn't very often, I'd smoke some of his and it would get the job done. But why is it this bluish green color? This ain't right. You know, and part of that, I think, is what led this guy kind of off his rocker to think he could start ordering people around, namely me. So I had convinced him, hey, you know, with everything the way it's been going and things needing to lay low a little bit, I think you should probably go get back with, you know, wherever you came from, really. You know, I mean, I didn't use those words, but I kind of suggested to him, hey, bro, we should be laying low and not fucking running around like you're doing right now because you're drawing too much fucking attention. 
you know, he, his girl did just go to jail and took the ride for all of us. So it's not like I wanted to be like, all right, man, thanks. I'm out. So there was like this transition period over like a week or so where I convinced him that he should probably go post up because everybody's trying to lay low. Why don't you get to a spot for you that's comfortable? One day he got the brilliant idea. Hey, I should go back, you know, and stay with my family. I'm like, yeah, bro, that's that's solid thinking on your part. So he agrees he's going to go back and he's going to stay with his family that lives in uh south side of Stockton over on the, on the east side, over on the 99 side. We dropped him off one day, and I tell you, I was like, here's all your shit, and here's your stuff. You know what? Here's some money, bro. Like, lose my fucking number. I'm out. So there's one problem down. And in getting him to lay low, I mean, I was kind of doing my best to do the same thing. Now, mind you, my arrogance, my personality didn't really allow to lay, like, way low. You know, I mean, I, I thrived on the attention and the desire to be somebody, and admittedly, part of my involvement with Bear and the family and getting to go to the compound and sitting in these meetings, it did, it got to my head because it took, it took effect on my id, you know, that, that inner child craving the attention and the need to be needed. And, and, and it just inflated it unbelievably, but I, I did try to keep myself confined. Western Ranch is this housing development. It was just north of French Camp Road, and it's like sandwiched between French Camp Road and 6th Street on the I-5 side of Stockton, and it branches from I-5 all the way to the Delta. The idea of this housing tract was that this is where the, the up-and-coming 30-somethings, the, let's say the, the middle to upper middle class, that, that was the draw. This is where you would go when, when you were younger and, and you could afford they're not custom homes, but there were a whole bunch of different builders that were ultimately putting their same spin on that 90s vibe home. Stucco outside, arched windows, tiled roofs. Um, when we moved out there, and by we, I mean myself with my family, I was young. This was in 90, shit, we moved there, 92, 93, but the entrance of Western Ranch was this big, beautiful pavilion, and a giant pond with huge fountains in this enormous grassy area and people would have weddings there they would have wedding receptions at the pavilion they they would have movies on the weekend where you could bring your kids and watch movies and hang hang out and have picnics in the grassy area and beyond that <laughs> there wasn't much there was literally only 300 houses when we moved there and the end of my street is really where the housing development ended at that time you know, now we're talking tens of thousands of houses out there. This is where I got my feet wet as being the, the OG out there, you know, the original guy. Out. Now, there was a bunch of other teenagers out there with me, but everybody got bussed back to Manteca because there's no schools there. But I was the only one that, like, stayed in trouble. <laughs> with only 300 houses, I think there might have been, like, eight or ten of us that still got bussed back to East Union and Manteca. They weren't doing the dirty shit I was doing. You know, they went on to do better things with their lives. I, on the other hand, uh, figured out that the armed security that was that would patrol all the Western Ranch was actually my cousin's buddy, the guys I grew up with. So I kind of had carte blanche, like if anything stupid was happening, like he would come and talk to me. Hey, Jay, what's going on here? 
you want to take care of it or do you need me to take care of it? And, you know, depending on what it was, you know, cause you'd get some guys that would straggle over from South Stockton and breaking into cars and shit. And, you know, if we saw them and we snatch them up and let them know that this ain't where you come with this bullshit. So I had a comfort here. I had a comfort in Western ranch. I had friends. I had family. I had access I had intimate knowledge of the lay of the land. You know, I've been out there since 80% of these homes, 90% of these homes before they were even built. So I knew the ins and the outs. So I'd keep to myself in Western Ranch. And the one thing that I noticed being out there prior to the housing market failing in 08, and actually it's it's kind of perfectly aligned. So in, in 2000, 2001 is really kind of the time frame we're talking here. There was this influx of families that were not the usual that we were seeing move out to Western Ranch. And ultimately, what you wind up learning is, is there were these extended arm loans that banks were giving. You didn't have to show income. You didn't have to have any kind of good credit. They were just allowing people to buy these homes. And, and most of them came on these extended arm loans, which means today... You pay your little three and a half percent down or whatever the case may be. And your your payments are like a thousand bucks. Okay. But in three years, they're gonna balloon up to four thousand or five, whatever, whatever your situation was. And this was a beautiful situation for people that were landlocked in the Bay Area and they couldn't afford a bigger place. So there was generations of families in very small houses out in the Bay Area. And on top of that, they were also and maybe not the greatest in neighborhoods, and they wanted better for their family and their their kids, their grandkids that are all now on top of each other and running around in gangs, in bad neighborhoods, getting involved with getting involved with the wrong people. And now they're all moving out to West Ranch because these people that couldn't necessarily get there now can. The problem with that was is that leaving the Bay Area with these kids or these grandkids with these addictions or these gang ties or whatever it didn't break any of those things with all the greatest intentions that existed these people were flooding to western ranch especially and bringing all the problems with them so now i'm watching my neighborhood kind of kind of evolve you know i'm seeing vehicles that I know don't really belong here. I'm seeing behaviors. And all of a sudden there's tagging on walls on the green belt. And there was this beautiful green belt that allowed you to walk kind of all the way through Western Ranch. And now there's tagging on it. And you're like, wait a minute, man, this, this isn't right. And so now what was supposed to be this upper middle class neighborhood is now filled with Bay Area problems. Okay, whether they live there or not, they wound up out there. This was the thing I noticed. I'd hear my parents. I'd hear neighbors. I'd hear people complaining. This is bullshit. People out there bullshit with their problems, this and that. But I saw an advantage. Like, here's the thing. Moving your problem to a new neighborhood isn't going to make your problem go away, right? So I may as well try to round these people up and keep some control over the problem. I used to, uh, I used to sit back at Rachel's house. And you see, Rachel had an aunt that lived three or four houses down from her. And 
in typical Filipino and, you know, what for that matter, Mexican family fashion, there was always one white guy. Right. And uh, Rachel's aunt was married to this guy, Mike. And Mike at the time was was the OG to me. Mike was a partier. He abused his station a little bit. Like he was the OG, you know what I mean? Like you, you needed to get him high and he acted like he would keep things in line as far as Rachel's aunt would go and, and Rachel's family getting involved in our business. Cause he knew, so he really kind of leveraged his relationship just to keep himself getting all fucked up. But he would introduce me to a whole new list of characters there was an association, right? Like, so he was the uncle and there was a lot of family tied Filipinos in the area. And I got introduced to a whole bunch of them. And this is, this is kind of where I started finding my new groove as I was, you know, doing my best to lay low, not draw attention to myself until things blew over. But there were a few sit downs that, that were occurring during the same time out at the compound and, you know, I would go sit at them and, you know, I'd feel real privileged. Like, oh, I'm at the sit down. I'm at the table. You know, I thought it would it would be an amazing thing sitting at the big kid table. All the work I had put in or felt I had put in. But there was this one meeting and it was either the last or, or the second to last. I don't necessarily recall off the top of my head, but there was one meeting where it was all the OGs sitting around and and I want to be real clear when when we sat down I was introduced to people but my loyalties were only to bear he's the one that brought me in I don't know all these other fucking cats I don't know why you're here I'm just going to assume you know what the fuck you're doing you don't need to know me I don't need to know you I was playing way tougher than I really was the only real guy I didn't fuck with too much was old Rick Rude looking motherfucker and that's just because it, it you could tell dudes hurt people, and I just didn't want to be one of them. But again, my loyalties lied with with Bear. And Bear and I were having a conversation one day because I was, I don't know, I was feeling myself. I was feeling maybe a little too big for my britches, but maybe I was just too high. But I had mentioned to him, I was like, hey, man, old fucking Rick Rude guy over here is quiet like like uncomfortably quiet like why the fuck is he listening so hard you know bear did share with me like that's what he's paid to do shut the fuck up and do your job and he like looked at me like with the eyebrows up like that's literally his fucking job don't say words you just react it had dawned on me the look he gave me after my first sit down and suggested that we should go looking for the people that didn't show up and i was like oh fuck uh oh Hmm. I mean, not my problem. I showed up, right? Uh, but I also noticed, you know, actually, let me let me backtrack here. Bear did straighten me out. Hey, man, fucking just know your role. It's not your job to be questioning what other people are doing. I'm like, that's solid. <laughs> I feel you. You know, like Bear was not above checking me. That brings up an interesting point. You see this specific meeting that I was at this time. This one had like this more like somber kind of fucking old man vibe to it, you know, and it was a bunch of old school dudes. And and when I say old school, I mean, I think if I had to guess, Bear was probably in his mid 50s. Um, and there was a few cats that were maybe a little older, or just a little younger than that. But 
it was like a bunch of grouchy old men fucking bitching about the the new school way, the way these kids are doing shit now, and they're too loud and they're drawing too much attention, and and things aren't going to be the same, and and how are they going to continue with? the things they have in place, whatever hustle they had going on, right? How were they going to continue that when you got these youngsters out there that are acting a fucking fool? And I was like, hey, well, what do you need me to do? And so so as as the old timers were bitching and complaining, I was like, hey, man, what, like, what do you guys got for me? What do you need? There was one gentleman that went to chime in and Bear kind of put his hand out and was like, nah. It's almost like he was checking him the same way he checked me a little bit. He just put his hand out like, nah, dude, and I got this. And he was like, you know, you've been here six, seven, eight times. It's been several months since you were brought into this. Tell us what it is you've built with the leverage of being here has given you. And I said, well, what? Leverage? Like, I'm just waiting for you guys to like, what, what do I do? Where do I fit? And they were like, you weren't brought here to fill a need. You were brought here because we saw what you could do and we wanted to make sure that it's part of what we have going on. It plays well to what we have going on. I was like, oh, wait a minute. So they didn't bring me in to hand me anything, right? I had gotten this all wrong. I was letting this all go to my fucking head. And the whole the whole time, they're like, hey, what's this kid going to do? You know, you brought him in. You say he's this. You say he's that. So far, all he's done is party his ass off. And it, it fucking clicked on me. Admittedly, like I, I now have an association back to any any real substantial position I've had in a company as an adult. It's really no different in the dope game. You know what I mean? Like you put in all this work to get to this level. Let's say you put in all this work and you become a director of a company. You don't get to not do anything anymore. You got to fucking produce. And I wasn't producing. But yet I was talking shit like I was producing. So it's like I'm sitting at some retirement party, right? And everybody's like reminiscing on the old days and shit. And that's when I, oh, wait a minute. I got it. I know exactly what the fuck I'm doing here. Because as it turns out, I'm over here laying low in a neighborhood that's getting flooded with hungry hustlers from the Bay Area. So this, this vibe that they're talking about are the youngsters that are currently in the Valley that vibe is getting overrun with like real hustlers from the Bay. And thanks to Mike, I'm getting introduced to all of them, right? Cause the youngsters, they all intermingle. They all know each other somehow or another. Well, just like people looked up to Mike, I needed to assume his role in an interesting turn of phrase. Like I needed to create my own family. My loyalty, again, my loyalty is to bear and to produce and to do something with at least the leverage that comes with being associated with them. But I also don't need to be their family. I can have my own. And these old timers were getting it all wrong. Like, were you trying to keep this small unit and oh, everybody's got to play their part. I'll tell you what, I'm going to go play my part and I'll just let you know how it's doing. I'm going to go build something over here. I'm going to go build my own family. You know how many years it took me to realize that that's what I did? You know, these old timers are, are going on and on and on about the way things used to be. Well, let's adapt. Let's adapt. I'm going to go make it happen.
I'll let you know how it goes. And it goes well. It goes real well with a whole new cast of characters. You know, you got to grow up sometime. We can't sit at the little kid's table forever. But there were times that I, I, I regretted what I wished for. And I just kind of wanted to go back to the little kid's table and go back to my chicken nuggets and juice. In many ways, it was a lot more fun. Because I tell you, this new list of characters, these new personalities that I was dealing with, it was like washing ice cubes or herding cats, you know, uh, because they came with no rules, which were their rules. Their rule was there's no rules to follow. And I had to change that. And I had to be the grown up at the table. And I didn't want to be the grown up at the table. That was not why I got into this. If I wanted to be the grown up at the fucking table, I'd have just gotten a regular job and went to college or whatever the case may be. But now here I am starting my own quote unquote family. And man, these youngsters got to get in line. Because it it's really my way or the highway. Someday I'm going to have to go back to the compound and explain how things are going. And I sure as fuck can't go back and say, hey, I've got a bunch of youngsters that are doing whatever the fuck they want and not following the rules because that reflects on me. So we got to we got to teach a herd of cats how to walk in a straight line. Listen, I hope you guys are enjoying what you're hearing. I really appreciate that you're listening. If you want to reach out, feel free on Instagram, my madness method. You can email me if you like my madness method, eight one nine at gmail.com. I'd really love to hear from every one of you. And, and I hope you take a minute and share your story, share your feedback. I'd love to hear it. You know, until the next time, my name is Jason Farias. And this is my madness method. Come on. That's just the way it is. Things will never be the same. That's just the way it is.